Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generation with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today we're talking about a uh, a phenomenon that's been going on for a while, but it's been especially hard uh, during this season, which is stress. It's yeah. everywhere, right? But uh, oftentimes the antidote to that stress may be things that we don't expect. Absolutely. I think part of my stress, if I'm honest in my answer, comes from all the noise and clutter of my day. And Absolutely. It's been said many times, we live in a day of noise and clutter. It's cliche for a reason. Yeah. There is lots of noise and clutter. So we're going to talk about the discipline of inserting times where you eradicate the noise and clutter and you replace it with silence. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds... Um Maybe it sounds like silence doesn't really have a place in the modern day world, right? We got so many <laughs> yeah. things and ways yeah. to distract ourselves. Why would we want to be silent, right? We think downtime is a good time for Netflix, but the the sort of argument we want to make today is it's actually we could do better than Netflix for our downtime yeah. in order to actually help alleviate some of that stress. So, a little less than 25 years ago, I began to take some courses on this subject. Interesting. Uh, it was my doctoral work, and my primary professor was Dr. Richard Foster, yeah. who wrote many great books, but one of his great books, probably his most famous book, is The Celebration of Discipline. Yeah. And he talks about silence in that. Well, he was the teacher. Yeah. So we, he actually had us take this entire week-long course. It was eight hours a day for one week. It was one of those intensives. Yeah. Uh, and we did it in a monastery. Wow. I'm not kidding. Yeah. So I left this really busy, cluttered, noisy life for a week and went to a monastery where we were quiet as we did much of our work until there was class time when we were discussing things. But it was funny because Richard Foster was a legend and is a legend in my mind, but I mean, I watched him spill his Cheerios at breakfast. <laughs> I want everybody to take notes on that. I suddenly felt like he's real, he's human. But um, as he instructed us on the power of silence, I began to think, number one, I'm missing this, but number two, I want to regularly insert this in my life, and I have. So for almost 25 years, I've had times in my week that I've inserted silence, and I'm going to talk about that today, how it's just been helpful for me not to learn more through noise, but to learn more through quiet. Yeah. And of course, the challenge is the students that we're leading today, not only are they probably not spending much time in monasteries, uh, I would say over the last 25 years, our world has only gotten more noisy, yeah. more full, especially <clears throat> for the youngest population, right? Adult life has been busy for a really long time, yeah. but I think kid life <clears throat> is becoming more and more busy, more and more noisy, more and more f filled with activities and other things, especially increasingly over the last few years. Well, and we've needed it. We think we need it. So boredom is a cuss word, you know, really, yeah. to most people today. And so you're right. If, if it's, you've mentioned this earlier, if, if it's quiet, you feel like you need to turn some music on, turn some noise on, turn some Netflix on, put the earbuds in, somehow get some noise. And I wonder, do I do that because I don't want to be lost in my own thoughts? Will I not like my thoughts? Yeah. Will I not like myself when I look in the mirror? You know, that sort of thing. So the, one of the items, one of the realities that triggered me to go a different direction than what I just described is that silence can grow your brain. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. So a 2013 study monitored the effect of sound versus silence on lab mice. Okay, so these are mice. Uh, what researchers discovered was really profound. When exposed to two hours of silence every day, 
the mice developed new cells in the hippocampus, the part of the brain associated with memory, emotion, and learning. Their brains actually grew. Interesting. So yeah, so this is translated that then to humans and and in fact, pick this up because you and I both looked at this. Yeah, well, one of the interesting things, like you might be wondering, why is every brain study on rats and mice? You know, like why are we yeah. talking about mice again? Well, the reason is actually that their brain structure is quite similar to the human brain. So all of this study is often done because we're trying to learn about ourselves, right? We're not just trying to explore uh, um, rats and mice. Yeah. We're trying to ask questions about who we are. Uh, so it's actually not a stretch to wonder whether our brains might benefit yeah. in the same way uh, if we were not distracted by noise. Well, that actually ends up being true. Uh, in a more recent study on humans, neuroscientists discovered that when our brains experience times of silence, mm -hmm. uh, when there is margin in our daily yeah. calendar, uh, we actually develop the ability for empathy and creativity. Yeah. Those two really important life skills that we're hoping our kids develop, they're actually best developed during these times of silence and, and uh, solitude, perhaps. Yeah. MRI scans actually demonstrate how our brain can benefit in these two areas from the reduction of noise and activity. It's fascinating. This is fascinating to me. A part of that same study, Andrew, said the reason this is so powerful on our human brain is when there is silence, our brains can let down their sensory guard. You yeah. know, they're always on guard for what's coming at me, what's coming at me. The amygdala is yeah. kicking in, what's going on, fight or flight. And you can let down your guard, making room for a larger conscious space. So it makes sense even physiologically when you think about it, but we just don't try it out, or yeah. far too often we, we let noise rule the day. Absolutely. So let's move into this. Um, I love the fact that um, uh, Gene Arp once mourned our modern day by saying, soon silence will have passed into legend, huh. and I'm working, you and I are working to make sure that this emerging generation doesn't have that happen to them. Yeah. So I'd like us to talk about um, the noise we experience today, what it does to us, and then what's the, what's the antidote. Okay. So first and foremost, over just a couple of minutes here, I would say, I believe, and this is just me, but I believe as I look around culture, um, I think all the noise has made us superficial, a mm. bit superficial. Surface level. Yeah. yeah, that's right, surface level. It's not like we're bad people, but uh, there's just so much noise, we stick to the surface on most subjects. There's so many subjects coming at us, you don't go too deep on any yeah. one. It's like, right? I, got, I got 30 seconds to give you, and then I got to move on. Almost. Yeah, that's right. I think it's left us satisfied, and I mean that in a bad way. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's so much noise, we become satisfied with just being consumers. Somebody else does the thinking. Tell me what I should buy. Tell yeah. me what I should wear. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, sometimes I think it leaves us senseless. And by that, I mean there's so much noise, we don't reflect, we just emote ra irrationally. Look yeah. at social media. Yeah. It's some senseless interaction sometimes, not all the time. Yep. And so that's enough for me to go, why be lost in this trap? Uh, why not be countercultural and insert the silence if indeed my brain will benefit? And so we're going to try to offer listeners some ideas today that can really be steps we can take with our, with, our, with our students, us and our students, to turn off the noise. Yeah, and that's really important, right? These are things we need to practice first, right? If we're going to ask them to do these things, we should probably be practicing them yeah. ourselves. But I think these are really practical suggestions that you can offer to your students. So Tim, take us through this. Okay, number one, this is really simple, but, but I'm just starting out with this one. Decide what portions of your day you'll turn off the noise. Yeah. So it's got to be a decision. It, you can't wait for quiet. It, wait, waiting for quiet won't happen. So we need silence like our bodies need food. Yes. I want to say that again. We need silence 
like our bodies need food. In fact, William Penn said, true silence is to the rest of the mind what sleep is to the body. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So humans are actually at our best when we enjoy the luxury of silence each day. So my question, listeners, is when will you slate into the calendar quiet time for solitude and silence? Um, I would target at least an hour a day if you can. If not, work toward that. Start with an hour a week. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's on Friday. Maybe it's on Monday. But find a block that you go, it's like an appointment I have with a person, only it's an appointment with silence. Yeah. And this isn't like uh, I have to sit and stare at the wall for an hour, right? It's, <laughs> Although that's what I often do. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that is, yeah. right? It's, you know, go on a walk. It's take yeah. a drive in silence. It's well, those kinds of sort of um, not mindless activities, but silent activities. Yeah. Uh, so you don't have to be doing nothing, but it is important that, that something you're doing is quiet. Yeah. So. You used a word earlier, I want to go back to, you used the word margin. We, we tend to use that. Listeners, I'm sure you've heard the word margin. Is there margin in your day? I love that word because when I think about margin as a writer, I think about a page in a book. There are margins at the top, margins at the right, yeah. at the bottom and on the left. You know what margin is, don't you, listeners? It's space where there's no copy. Yeah. It's just white. Yeah. In fact, you your mind doesn't like reading a page that's from end to end completely filled with words. Yeah. Although I do like to do that. Um, <laughs> but that's a whole other podcast. It would make your time. books a little shorter. That's right. that's yeah, for yeah, sure. exactly. But margin is what we need. Our eyes need margin. Our brains need margin. Yeah, can you imagine the... And this is the other use of the word uh, uh, the word busy, right? Yeah, If that's you right. open a book, can you imagine reading a book where the text was literally from the inside <laughs> yeah. seam to the outside? I mean, it would drive your brain crazy yeah. because it's too busy, right? Your brain's the same way. That's exactly right. All right, number two, reduce your time on social media. I know you've thought about this, and some of you listening might have said, I did that, and my kids did too. I'm hearing more and more teens that say, man, I'm getting off that stuff. Yep, I instituted it myself. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. So I just want to encourage you, if you've not made that decision yet, I'm not saying get off completely for the rest of your life and never touch Facebook again, but I, although that might be a whole good idea. It I don't might know. be a decision you need yeah, to make. That's right. Yeah, right. So social media contains lang the language of hyperbole. Have we not mm, talked yes. about that? It's exaggerations. It's outrage. We're all outraged at something. And some things we ought to be outraged at. But far too often, I think in order to be heard, we think we need to use capital letters, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation You know why we do that? Because there's so much noise. Yeah. So what if we just took time off? Maybe we start with an hour a day that we would have been on... Instagram, and instead we replace it with silence. I think that's a great trade-off. Less is always more. Yep. And I think uh, stepping away, often the reason time, uh, the reason that young people especially don't, is there is the fear of missing out, yeah, right? that's right. I'm worried something's happening on there that I'm going to miss. Yeah. In my personal experience, I said I was going to take a break for three months from Twitter. I've been gone for nine months from wow. Twitter because the yeah. moment you get away, what you realize is, am I actually missing something yeah. that I really wanted to know yeah. about? Yeah. I'm certainly, I've certainly missed tweets. I'm yeah. sure I've missed yeah. them, right? Yeah. But have I missed them? Not so much, right? And I think yeah. that's what a lot of young people will discover. If they actually take a break, they'll realize, I really like this break, yeah. you know? I now have peace of mind. Exactly. Yeah. Number three, uh, make your travel time quiet. So I started this habit as a result of this course and my doctoral degree. But um, I would say I don't do this every day because I do listen to podcasts like maybe like this, this one. one. Yeah, maybe just, somebody's just in the car right now. But, 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 <laughs> but there might be a drive or two that you would say, you know, right now what I don't need is more noise. I probably just need time to think, maybe let my mind wander. 
maybe come up with an idea. So I would like you to um, just think about drive time, at least part of the time, being a time for, for quietness. Um, I use that time to think, to pray, and I found it priceless, Andrew. It's just, mm. I mean, sometimes I'll arrive at the office and I'll run in. You've probably seen me run before because I had this great idea that yeah. I thought of, and I wouldn't have thought of it had somebody been yakking at me about the weather and the traffic yeah. you know, on the radio. So. so are you suggesting that people should just turn, turn off the radio right now if they need to? Because they're listening to us in the car right now. Maybe that's the thing they need well, to do. Well, maybe so. But or just hang with us for a little bit. I would minute. say hang with us just a little bit longer and then turn it <laughs> off. That's that's what I'm saying. Okay. I love it. It's, you know, it's funny when you back yourself into a corner, isn't it? Okay. Yes, it is. All right. Number, <laughs> number four. <laughs> number four. Um, stop texting all the time and turn your phone off. Now, I know we, we've all read articles and heard lectures on this, so I'll make this brief. But I'm I'm just saying... Uh, is your phone your master or your servant? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would suggest that uh, what I've tried to do, and I do track my um, hours on my phone probably much like you do, yep. um, I'm just trying to cut back a little bit more each week and not be a slave to, I got a text, I got to get back. In fact, if you do get a text, and you will, f- schedule a time late in the day. They're fine. Most of the time, 95% yeah. of the time, they're fine. Yeah. And if they're not, they'll call or, yeah. or whatever. So I, I have just found that that makes me less of a slave and more of a master to, my, to my phone and my clock. I love that. So, yep. Um, number five, fight boredom with a list of ideas to think about. Ah. So I have a quiet time, think time chair uh, upstairs in, my, in our house. You were over there not long ago. Yeah. Uh, and I like to just think there, and sometimes I am afraid, well, maybe I'll sit down and I'll do, all I will do is think about the problems I've got to solve that day. But if you start a running list, and sometimes you can just do it on your phone, yeah. uh, then you, know, you can see, oh my gosh, you'll be coming up with seven or eight ideas that when it's time... You've got subjects to think about. Yes. But you couldn't think about it at the time they came to you, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that's a helpful idea. It's, it's helped like me. My list of things to think about when I have time. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. I like right. that. Uh, number six, uh, change the method of learning. Um, so have you all heard of the Harkness method of learning? Uh, it takes place at a table, the Harkness table, okay? And that's where you and I have read about this, Andrew. Yes. Uh, it's a teaching method involving students seated in a large oval configuration to discuss ideas in an encouraging, open-minded context with only occasional or minimal teacher intervention. Mm. So it's a lot of freestyle here going on, okay? Uh, it's, a, it's akin to the Socratic method where there's not just a download of lectures from a teacher, yep. but it's more banter and volleyball. And, and you know, as you do that, hopefully some wisdom surfaces because you realize, well, that was senseless and that's probably not a good idea. Mm-hmm. And collectively, you get some, some wisdom there. But it's built off of the belief that students learn better in circles than in rows. Yes. Okay. And through uploading their own ideas, not just through teachers downloading their information. Yeah. And I, I really love that because what this is getting to is uh, the reality that sometimes the silence you might need is just a cutting off that constant download of information yes, that students yeah. are often caught in. And that's what a different learning method like this does. Here's what I've noticed happens in students and me. I've noticed if you move to this different method of learning, uh, you stop being a consumer. Because if I think there's a teacher up front, he's going to do most of the talk, or she, yeah. um, I'm more in consumer mode, like I'm watching a TV show. Yeah. 
you know, just sit there passively. But if I know, oh, hey, I may be called, I may need to, now I'm much more active, and it's just a better way to keep the brain alert. And again, it, it's, it's the stop with the lectures, and let's pick it up here where we're changing the whole way we learn. Absolutely. If I spend yeah. my entire day consuming in all my classes and I get home, the most natural way for me to progress in the rest of my day is to consume, right? Yeah. It's the easiest thing to do is to turn on Netflix if I've just been sitting and learning all day long. One last footnote on this before we go to our final takeaway. Um, this um, Harkness uh, method, the Harkness table that I mentioned, actually was started in the 1930s. And listeners, if you want to look it up and, and dig a little bit, it was started in the 1930s at the Phillips Exeter Academy. Uh, so, um, And it's built off the belief that students learn better in circles and rows, like I said, and there's a lot of uh, input from everybody. So, all right, number, number seven, the final one I want to give you on this case for silence. Um, I would say a step that would be good to take, even though it's going to be very foreign to many people, is to take the earbuds out and plan time to think. So I mentioned my my place in my office upstairs where I get some quiet time. Um, I have this think time uh, on a weekly calendar. Sometimes I get it more than once a week. I've got it more than once a week since we stopped all the traveling with COVID. I've gotten much more time to create and think and so forth. But um, it's often on Wednesdays. That's my writing day. Mm-hmm. Uh, this margin enables me to collect my thoughts and play offense, not just defense with my life. I'm not just a consumer. I'm a contributor. Um, it's like spending time with someone you love. Uh, and, and then I often, my writing, my best writing happens when I have some quiet thinking time there. So um, I love the fact that Confucius once said centuries ago, silence is a true fan, friend who never betrays. That's great. Yeah. I love that. I love that too. Well, this is all reminding me, Tim, just as a, a way to close out. It's reminding me of um, a new habitude we've been working on. So this one is unpublished, but actually soon to be published. We're very yeah. excited about it. Uh, it's simply called Muddy Water, yeah. right? So it's a really basic principle. If you were trying to explain to your kids who are like, you want me to do what, right? Uh, well, here's here's how you could explain it to them. Uh, if you were to take a, a jar, say a mason jar, and fill it to the top with water, and then put just a little bit of dirt, maybe yeah. maybe, maybe half an inch of dirt at the bottom of it. Um, what you would notice is if you wait long enough, that dirt will settle to the bottom and the water will look clear, right? Uh, but if you take that jar and you shake it up, yeah. you will see that that, uh, that jar with mostly water and just a little bit of dirt all of a sudden is completely impossible to see through. And I would say this year, and in fact, most of life mm-hmm. is a whole lot like shaking up that jar, right? Absolutely. It just jostles us and it throws us off. And, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Oh, I forgot about that assignment. And you just feel like everything's sort of falling apart. I would say silence is like waiting for that jar to settle. Yeah. And what you'll notice is the longer you wait, the better you feel about your situation. Yeah. And things start to become clear uh, that were once muddy. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the whole principle here yeah. is if you would give yourself a moment to just breathe, think, sit, all of those kinds of things, mm-hmm. go on a walk, whatever it is, what that does is it allows the jar to settle, yeah. the, the dirt settles to the bottom, and all of a sudden you see clearly what the next step might be. That may be just the perfect metaphor to explain why this is so important to the students that you're leading. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much, Tim, for leading us today. This is obviously a super important subject. We want to encourage you to start to practice some of these principles and encourage the young people around you to start practicing some of these things too. Uh, just as a, a way to begin to practice this, I just mentioned one of our habitudes. Um, habitudes are images that form leadership habits and attitudes. And just like that metaphor, you use the metaphor to have an even deeper conversation. Well, that muddy water image is going to be a, a part of our SEL uh, program and Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning is uh, actually one of our most popular courses that you can uh, you can get right now. If you go over to growingleaders.com slash SEL, you can find out more about it. But it's just a really easy and very fun, practical way to have conversations about these subjects that we know matter so much. So go on over to growingleaders.com slash SEL, and you can actually see it and try it out for free today. Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars. That gets the word out about what we're doing here. Uh, we really appreciate it when we get those uh, those ratings. And if you found this helpful, feel free to just share it. Pass it along to somebody who you think may also find it helpful. Uh, connect with us online on social media. We are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then lastly, if you've got ideas for this podcast, shoot us an email. Uh, it's podcast at growingleaders.com. Getting that feedback from you is so helpful to us to continue to improve and, and find really interesting things to talk about. Tim, thank you again for leading us. Thank you guys so much for listening and for leading the next generation well. We'll see you next time.